thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. I've never been this tall in my entire life. <laughs> oh man, okay, so one, before any further ado, I need five seconds. That's, that's an easy ask. Five seconds of praise to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because it's a God dream that he made a reality. Praise him. Come on. As much as, yes, we had amazing people here for two weeks straight. We even fit a wedding in on the other side of the state in between it. Like, as much as a hard full court press as it was for everybody involved, and thank you so much from the bottom of Adrian and I's heart. As much as it was a full court press for us, man, God did all the heavy lifting. God did all the moving and shaking. Again, I was telling our team before this, we've been saying it for two or three weeks now. Like, you know, I might be a preacher, but I couldn't talk my way into this deal. I might be a good leader, but I couldn't lead my way into this deal. I couldn't fall into this deal if I tried. Like, what happened here can only be explained by the supernatural grace and favor of our King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who has shined his favor on our house, and he is worthy of all glory, honor, power forever. Amen? Yeah. This is insane! Come on! Okay, now I told myself, I told myself, okay, I'm going to try and keep the jacket on, not all my tats out, and just try to be presentable today. But I'm so excited. I was jumping around in worship and losing my mind, so at some point the jacket's going to come off, and I'm going to get a little more undignified like David. So just so you know, it's biblical, and I won't be in my underwear or my skibbies, as my mother calls it. So anyways, it's good. But to all the fathers of the place with style and grace, hey, we love you. You're amazing. Um, thank you for raising us up and showing us how to change our tires uh, and teaching us all the basic necessities for not running ourselves over and all the other things that you poured into us, and especially modeling what it looks like to be a Jesus-following, Jesus-loving, Jesus-centered family and father. So all the fathers of the place, we just love you, especially I want to shout out my man Eric Michael, yeah. who is a father to this entire house. Yeah. I don't care. You might not like me saying that, but it is. He's, he's, a, he's a bro and a dad to me at the same time, and I love you, buddy. Um, so yeah, this morning, y'all ready for church? Yeah. Woo! Give it up for the worship team. That was amazing. I swear. Yeah. We had the worship team. What an incredible time. I'm doing my best not to fall off this platform. I'm also doing my best to preach it like I feel it. So y'all ready for this? Yeah. Come on, somebody. This morning, we are kicking off a new series here at church called This Is Us. Yeah. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, This Is Us. Turn to your second choice neighbor say, this is you. Hey, ain't no shame to be in the second choice. I was Adrian's second choice, okay? I was Adrian's fifth choice. It, it's fine, okay? We win out in the end, okay? I had to fight five guys to, to win. <laughs> yeah, it was like that, uh, it was like that Edgar Wright movie. Anyways, um, that's a dumb Scott Pilgrim reference where I had to fight all the ex-weapons. Anyways. Um, me and Michael Sarah have a lot in common, uh, skinny thighs and things. Uh, but anyways, this morning we are starting a brand new series. This is us. That's because I believe right now we are in a series. We got this. We are a season. We got this brand new building. We're in a new area in Grand Rapids, but it is the same heart. It is the same spirit. It is the same direction. It's the same Bible. It's the same Jesus. It's the same God. It's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same theology. We are going after the world, and we got to know if we want to see our nation change. 
we got to start with our state being changed, and we got to start with our city being changed, and we got to start with our streets being changed. Amen? Amen. And how many of you know our streets ain't going to get changed unless we are changed? So this is a mission. This is a vision. This is for who we are, what we are, and where we will be going as a church. I have no idea how long it's going to go, so buckle up and let's get it. Sound good? It's coming up. I'm sorry. I tried. I wanted to be. I wanted to be presentable. Scotty, my man. I wanted to be presentable, but uh, we're just gonna get it today. All right, y'all got your B-I-B-L-E's out. All right, you're taking notes. The title of my message is "Ain't Nobody Got Time for That." <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. No, I mean that's the title of my message. I'm not saying nobody has time for the title. I'm saying that's the title of the message. Ain't nobody got time for that. Somebody look at that. What? Luke 10, 1 through 12. I'm coming out of the NLT this morning. It's going to be up on the Sky Bible. Everybody say, hey, Sky Bible. Everybody say, hey, Nat, who's doing a great job in the back running the Sky Bible for us. All right. First one. Here we go. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were instructions. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among the wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor traveler's bags, nor extra pair of sandals. Don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whatever you enter into someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking, whatever they provide. That's difficult for me. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. That's so hard to do, Jesus. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near to you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out to the streets and say, we wipe even the dust from your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your faith. And now this, and know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even the wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. You probably wonder where I'm going with that. I promise you it's good news. It's going to be awesome. So y'all ready? We're going to pray. We're going to get to the word of God. Sound good? Yeah. Father God, right now, corner to corner, front to back, side to side, kids' church parking lot, Everywhere, God, this platform from these chairs, God, every single moment and every single space and every single crevice of this amazing building that you've blessed us with, God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would saturate, God, that this place, this place would just be a landmark. It would be a lighthouse. It would be a beacon of hope to the city of Grand Rapids, God. For this entire area, Lord, we prayed it on Wednesday. I pray, I pray that the spin uh, scooters in our city are more blessed because your presence is here. I pray, God, that the t-shirt companies that are in this space are more blessed because your presence is here. God, I pray for Kellogg's. I pray for Kellogg's. I don't know where they stand with anything or who works there, but I pray, God, they turn to know Jesus because this church, your presence, is here on the same street, God, right now, Father. We are interested 
and play in church, God. We're interested in being the church, God. We are interested in influential church, God. We are not interested in opinion, church, God. We're interested in having a takeover in this city for the kingdom of heaven, Father God. Not to our own glory, but to yours, Father God. If our names are never mentioned, but yours is lifted high, God, it will all be worth it. So this morning, let the meditations of my heart and the words of my lips be pleasing to you, O Lord. And may you change us from the inside out to look more like your son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Fear you gotta go. In Jesus' mighty name, faithful church seven. Amen. Amen. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. There's a reason I chose that title. I think it's become abundantly clear as we go through the scripture, as we go through what Jesus says in this text, that I believe this is going to change us, this is going to shape us. As funny as that phrase is, as dumb as that video is, as silly as that was two years ago, I know I'm, I'm late to the party. And nobody got time for that, not having time. There are actually things as Jesus followers, as Christians, as little Christ, as little Messiahs, that you and I, we actually need to not have time for. That we need to not waste our time on. That there are some things that we just need to say bye Felicia to and keep on marching because there is a mission ahead of us and a whole lot of distraction around us. Amen? So I love this piece of scripture. Because Jesus, he's getting ready. He's sending out 72 other disciples, it says. So these are 72 other people, right, that his 12 disciples that he's had. These are 72 other people. That means Jesus' influence has grown. That means the Jesus movement is getting out there. That means the word of God is getting out. People are meeting him going, we're not sure who he is yet. We think he's the Lord. We think he's the coming Messiah. He might just be another prophet. He might just be this or that. But Lord knows heaven has him. Lord knows heaven moves through him. So we're going to follow him. We're going to go with him. And here we see 72 people that he sends out. And those 72 people, I would begin to presume and I would assume today. That they fully believe Jesus is who Jesus says he is. You see, Jesus and John, I believe it's uh, is it 6.14. That, you have that in the Bible up there? That second scripture, John, who's 10, someone else? Yep, John 14.6, my bad. Jesus says this about himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father except through me. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the light. And the reason I want to get that scripture reference for you is because I think we just need to tattoo this on ourselves today. I think today that is something that we need to leave with because here are 72 people. These are the same boys that were with him from the beginning. These are the same people that have been going with him for three years strong now. These are not the same people. These are 72 tagalongs, people who saw heaven move through Jesus and be fully convinced and completely persuaded that he is God. And those 72 people, how many of you know they stepped out in their belief in Jesus and their faith was outworked in Jesus? And the reason I want to point that out this morning is this. Jesus himself proclaims about himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. How many of you know to be sent out by Jesus, you've got to be fully persuaded of who he says he is? Yeah. You see those 72 people, they're going out, they're going out to risk it all. They're going out, it was way different. Right now we get to meet in a beautiful building in 
like pretty conservative Grand Rapids, and we get to do all these things, and we have zero persecution aside from dumb people on the internet, right? But back then, you were actually murdered for following Jesus, being a follower of the way. So these 72 people had to be completely sold on who Jesus says that he is. Why is that important this morning? That's important this morning because I believe Jesus is sending us out. I believe Jesus is sending Takeover Church out. I believe Jesus has called us to go into the Grand Rapids and see Jesus take over people's lives. Not religion, not just conservatism, not just politics, not just all these things that we do hold to, true to and tight to, but see the word of God go and completely take over people's lives and see them filled with the Holy Spirit alive to God's purpose. Amen. That's what we're about. But how many of you know, we don't got time. We don't got time to stand around and debate whether Jesus is who he says he is. We don't have time to stand around and deconstruct and pull apart and have all these dumb thoughts. Is Jesus really who he, said he says he is? Did that experience happen the way that I felt like it happened? Did it really go down that way? Was the healing real? Was the finances real? Did the stars just align in the right way? Is this all just a cosmic accident? We don't have time for that because we're being sent. You see, these 72 people, they didn't have time to debate. He's either the way, the truth, and the life, or he's not. And why that's important is this. The second we begin to question who Jesus is, we will begin to question who we are. The second we begin to question who Jesus is, you will question who you are. Why that's important is because if Jesus is not who he says he is, you are not who he says he is. Or you are not who he says you are. If Jesus is not who Jesus says he is, you are not who Jesus says you are. If Jesus is not who he says he is, then Jesus cannot do what Jesus says he can do. Put it another way. If Jesus is not who he says he is, then you cannot do what Jesus says you can do. The second we start, the second we stop, the second we get distracted, the second we pull off on the road and we decide that we're going to get introspective with it, we're going to start debating it. I'm not saying you can't suss out your faith. Do it with friends who love Jesus, who are going to lead you to the truth, who are going to bring you back to the Bible. There is a way to go through a crisis of faith and make it out the other side of it fuller than you went into it. I promise you that. But here's what you got to learn. There is a mission, there is a call, there is a purpose on every single one of your lives. That is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And you will not fulfill your mission. You will not fulfill your call. You will not be the man, the woman, the husband, the father, the mother, the sister, the brother, the whatever. You will not be those things to the best of your God-given, Holy Spirit-led ability. When you begin to determine and debate, is Jesus who he says he is? Because everything we believe is fixed upon Jesus believing he is who he says he is. And you believe in Jesus is who he says he is. Everything will fall apart. We don't get to pick and choose at that point. We don't get to pick and choose ever. Oh, man, I love this part about Jesus, but I don't love this part about Jesus. I love this part about God, but I don't love this part about God. We don't get to do that. He's either all of it or he's none of it. Because if he's not all of it, then you're none of it then I'm none of it, that we aren't here for anything. This is just one big cosmic accident and happenstance, and everything you've experienced up until this point or ever will experience to come is pointless. That's impossible. So he's got to be who he says he is in order for him to do what he says he can do, which is come, die, 
rise again, save you, repurpose you, not refurbish you, repurpose you, renew you, restore you, resurrect you, give you his Holy Spirit, and send you out into the mission field called life. This is us, man. This is us. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. This is way better than the NBC show, amen? I've never watched it, but it looks incredibly sad. I'm not here for sad things. You see, friends, there's a massive difference between belief and faith. Why that's important is because we got Christians all over the place, man. We believe in Jesus, right? We believe he's the way. We believe he's the truth. We believe he's the life. We believe it. But belief is where we start. Faith is where it's outworked. Belief is where we start. But faith is where it's outworked. So you've got Christians all over the place. We'll say we believe in this. We believe in the Bible. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, the Holy Bible. We believe in it. But then when it comes time to actually work out our belief, outwork our belief, walk in our belief, it's called having faith. It's called outworking in faith. It's called stepping out in faith. You see, belief is the admittance of truth, but faith is the outworking of truth. Belief is the acknowledgement of truth, but faith is the application of truth. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Reason this is uh, paramount to our faith this morning as we begin this new journey here. As we begin to go out to our streets, to our workplaces and do these things. The reason this is important is because we see these 72, they are fully persuaded. They don't just believe Jesus, they have faith. How many of you know it takes faith to listen to Jesus? It takes faith to act on what Jesus says. It takes faith to go out the Holy Spirit's leading. It takes faith to lay hands. It takes faith to believe. It takes faith to pray. It takes faith to give when you don't know if you can give. It takes faith. See, we got Christians everywhere. We believe the Bible. We can recite our favorite verses. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He shall apply all my needs according to my riches and glory and cover the fact that uh, I got drunk last night and overspent and uh, now I have negative $5 in my bank account. But he's going to provide. We, we can quote it. But can we apply it? See, we can believe it. It's where we start. It's where we begin. But can we actually outwork this thing in our daily lives? You see, for so many of us, we have lived our lives, some of us in this room today, we wonder, we begin to question God, and we go, why haven't you come through in this area? Why haven't you come through in my marriage? Why haven't you come through in my healing? Why haven't you come through in my finances? Why haven't you come through in this area? And we start debating, and we start having this inner monologue, we start having this inner doubt, and we start sinking before Jesus, and we're trying to figure out where he's at in all these things, because we're seeing other people get delivered. We've seen other people get healed. We're seeing other things happen for other people, but why is it not happening to me? And often the reason I find from talking to people is, well, I believe all that, but have I outworked my faith in that? You know, I believe you, Jesus, that you say you can supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory, Christ Jesus. I believe you're going to come through my finances, but I don't believe that you can come through my mental health. Oh, so you're telling me that your bank account, money, currency is small enough for God, but you're... He, your six-inch brain. Maybe it's bigger. Mine's six inches, at least. 
Give or take. Come on. But your six-inch brain is too big for Jesus to correct. Oh, no, 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 God, like, I know that you work all things out to the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his, his purpose, right? We love Romans. We love that one. My God will work everything together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So I know that no matter what happens, no matter what decisions I make, that somehow I love Jesus and I'm just going to end up where God wants me to be at some point. And it's all going to be good. So we can trust God with the entire outworking, puppeteering of our lives, and including another billion people who follow Jesus on the planet. But you're telling me our lives are so small that he can marionette us to victory, but he can't heal a four-inch tumor. You see, our belief is our base. We believe these things about Jesus. But when it comes to being sent, to living on mission, to living with purpose, with intent, with God's heart in mind for your city, for your life, for your marriage, for your singleness, for your sexuality, for all these things. All the taboo wabu out there right now. Wabu. That was like wagyu, but not as good. If you've had wagyu, you get that joke, okay? That was, but we have belief for all these things. We can quote all these things. But can we outwork it? Can we press our faith against it? You see, friends, hell, darkness, fallenness, debauchery, sin, sickness. I mean, the list can totally go on. But darkness doesn't have to bow because of relief. Hell isn't on the run because he believed. What's fallen doesn't have to be mended because he believed. What is broken doesn't have to be restored simply because he believed. Sickness doesn't have to flee simply because you believe. It's when you begin to apply faith to it that sickness has to go. It's when you acknowledge Jesus is able, and then you refuse to be removed from the results that says Jesus is able, walking it out in faith, applying your faith to it. When you stand there against hell and all of its army, and you say, no, I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, so what is broken has to be mended in Jesus' mighty name, and I'm not moving from this position. What is dead has to come back to life. In Jesus' mighty name, resurrection is my position. This is what it looks like to outwork faith. Because if we're going to be like these 72 people that we'll get to, because so much more is involved in this, if we are going to be set, if we are going to be on mission, if we are going to live the life that Jesus has called us to be, if this scripture is going to be us, it's not enough to simply believe. We have to walk out of we have to apply our faith. You have to apply your faith to flee temptation. You have to apply your faith to pray against the darkness. You have to apply your faith when depression comes for you at night. You have to apply your faith when doubt comes into your heart when you look at your bank account. You have to apply your faith in order to trust your spouse after they've stepped out on you. You have to apply your faith. It's not enough to simply believe. 
We have to be fully persuaded that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And through those three things, we begin to outwork our faith in our daily lives. What would the city look like if this church rose up? I know what everybody else got going on in the city. I know for this house, we're not just a belief-based church. No, no, no. We are fully surrendered to walking out in faith kind of church. Amen? Am I preaching to anybody this morning? So Jesus... Oh, I just love Jesus. Jesus is the man. I love Jesus because in this text, he gets very blunt. Doesn't he? Jesus is very blunt. He's very bleak. He's very straightforward. And I love that because I love being blunt. And I love being bleak. And I love being very straightforward. And when Jesus is blunt, that gives me permission to be blunt. That doesn't mean that we don't speak everything in grace, love, and truth. Okay? Definitely do. But it just kind of means that I can, you know, not skirt around the bush and I can say it to you. And it's like, well, Jesus said it first, so he takes all the arrows. You might be mad at me, but he takes all the arrows. Like, he said it first. And one of the things I think is absolutely paramount to our faith, if we're going to live on mission, if we're going to live sent people, come on, somebody. Christianity is far less about us and more about everybody else. There is a plan for people around us, and it's us. Okay? You are the plan for your neighbor. Sorry to tell you. You are the plan for your neighbor. Nobody else is coming. You're there. We could preach on that for the rest of the morning and be totally satisfied. But see what Jesus says is this. He literally starts off this main scripture this morning. He goes, I am sending you out in twos and pairs to the towns that I will plan to visit. I am sending you out in twos and in pairs to the towns that I plan to visit. You see, here's the deal. We live in Grand Rapids. There's a bunch of churches. We're called to Grand Rapids where there's a bunch of churches. And sometimes these churches, unfortunately, we like to gossip and debate and, and talk trash about each other. And there's all these other things going on. And we completely miss the boat on this because what Jesus says here is paramount to the local church. What Jesus says here is paramount to the local church. Whenever Jesus calls somebody, lays it on their heart, like he did Adrienne and mine, to plant a church in Grand Rapids, look at this. He sent the 72 where he planned to visit. You know what? We should get stoked when another church pops up. You want to know why? Because God has sent his Christians ahead, his church ahead, to prime the city for a visit from God. Yeah, we got a different name. Yeah, we got a different brand. Yeah, you may not like the name Takeover. Maybe you may not understand it. Maybe you're a different theologically this, and maybe you're more open to this. Whatever it is, man, we're all here for the kingdom of God, and we should get stoked that there is another church in our city because the second another one pops up, guess what I know? Jesus planning a visit. Yeah. Jesus is planning a visit. He sent us ahead to prime for his visitation. Friends, there is no way. There is no way. I'm telling you, three and a half years into this, there's been so many glorious, amazing, good things about this. And I love this church. And I love this house. And I love that we have poured three years into our lives to get to this with zero money. Zero. We didn't have a seed from another church. We didn't, we didn't come into this thing with $50,000. No, no, no. The $20,000 that church uh, gave during a pandemic to lock all this down and to do all the alterations to be able to pay the staff the very little, 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 little that we do. Like all of these things... It began because God put a dream in our heart. He sent us first to prime the city for the purpose for the city. You see, friends, there's a lot of things I love about being a pastor, but in three and a half years of, of, of leading this house, 
There's no way I would go through the sabotage, the backstabbing, the lies, the gossip, the kicking you while you're down that we've gone through. There's a lot of crappy things about being a pastor, let me tell you. Nobody in this room, by the way, you're amazing. But there's a lot of crappy things about being a pastor. There is no way I would go through that for notoriety or fame. No reason I would go for that for money or for prominence. I will go through that if you're telling me Jesus is planning a visit to this city. I will take the struggle bus to Hard Knock City if it means Jesus planning to meet me there when I arrive. I will ride that street of struggle. I will go through those things. You and I, we have to go there if it means Jesus is planning to meet us there. Come on, somebody. I'm not preaching. Can we praise God real quick? Come on. It's not worth it for fame. It's not worth it for blogs. It's not worth it for dumb Twitter fingers and dumb battles. It's not worth it. What it is worth for, what all the hard things are for. Our moments like our amazing kids director, Charlie Vandercote, getting saved. Coming to know Jesus, changes his whole life around, re-answers the call of God, and he's like to be a pastor. That's worth it. If this all went down today, I would end ministry with that being my badge of honor. Worth it. None of the rest of it is worth it. It's not about money. It's not about fame. It's about a visit from God. Jesus says, I am sending you out to the places I plan to visit. There is no punctuation mark. There is no exclamation point. There is no period. There is no sentence. There is no mishap in scripture, okay? God, if he said it, if he inspired it, and if he ordered it, if it's in our word of God, it's there with purpose and intentionality. And even a sentence like this that we have overlooked for 2,000 plus years of church history means something. This is significant. He has sent us to prime the way for the city for God's purpose for this city. What would our lives look like if we understood that we were primed for God's purpose for this city? If we were primer for God's purpose for your workplace, you are primer in the workplace for God's purpose for that workplace. What if you realized you were there to prime that person for a visit from Jesus? What would the water cooler look like? What would the cubicle look like? What would the phone calls look like? What would the sales commissions look like? What would your life and your testimony begin to look like? Scratch that. What would their life and testimony begin to look like if we knew and we lived with the expression, I am primer for their purpose. I am primer for their purpose. Let me tell you, two weeks in this building, I know a lot about primer. Okay? <laughs> no, a lot about it. We are primed for their purpose. I am sending you out ahead. Go! Declare the kingdom of God has come near to you. Go! You are the primer for my purpose. I just love Jesus. Don't you just love Jesus this morning? Don't you love that your life has a plan and a purpose this morning? I love this because Jesus says, I'm sending you out in pairs. And then he says this. Sent them ahead to towns and places and planets to visit. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So I love this part because check this out. Go! I'm going to plan a visit! It's amazing because you hike right You're like, woo, Jesus is coming! I can go. I got confidence because I know my God is coming behind me. It's going to be awesome. I can say whatever I want to these people as long as it's what Jesus wants me to say to these people. And he'll back it up because he's coming. But you've got to learn. 
Right, you get confidence, you get a little excited. You get a little swagger, a little spunk, a little moxie in your step. I know, the gen I'm 30. The generation near below me don't know those words. I get it. Pretty sure I learned the word moxie and spunk from the Rugrats. Anyways, so he says, I'm sending you out, go, because I'm planning to visit. And then Jesus hits you with that butt. How many know when God hits you with that butt? That's a big butt. And she goes, come on, it's a God-sized butt. It's a big butt. There's an equator joke as a bell in there somewhere, but I'm not fishing for it. Anyways, so Jesus hits him with a big butt and he goes, I'm sending you out to go. You are the primer for my purpose for this city. You are. You are the light on the hill. You are the light that cannot be hidden. You are the light. You are the reason. You are going, and I am sending you out because I am coming behind you. But the harvest is great, but the workers are few. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Yeah, we're going, Jesus! Record scratch. Wait, what? What did you say? No, no, 72 of us. We're about to go to different places. You're sending two of us to each town, and you're telling me there are not many people there to help out? Jesus, I was real excited about this trip until you told me I was alone. Every church plan, okay? Every church plan, be honest. I was really excited until everyone bailed. What? Well, here's the deal. Jesus, he says, but the harvest is great, but the workers are few. What do we do with that, Jesus? Well, he has an answer for that. He says, well, you should pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Oh, Jesus, I don't want to go alone, but you should, you should pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. So none go with me. Come on, we know. Still I will follow. I can't sing. <laughs> Jesus says, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. You see so many times, whether you're in ministry, whether you're in like vocational ministry, whether your ministry is your job, whether your ministry is your family, we are all Christians. We are on mission. We are all in ministry in some shape or form. You are called to reach the people in your life for the cause of Christ, the kingdom of heaven, invading earth. Okay, That's your call, no matter what that looks like. We are all in ministry. And that means at some point in time, you're going to come across a moment where you realize the harvest is great. It's there. The harvest is right. It is ready for the picking, but the workers are few. I'm in need. I'm in lack. I need something. There's more to be done here. I know there is, but I just feel like I don't have the team. I feel like I don't have the talent. I don't feel like I have the capacity. I don't feel like I have the time. I don't feel like I have the finances. I don't think I have the needs. Like, we find ourselves where this harvest, God is saying, it's plenty, it's ready to go, and yet the workers are few. Should you tell your leadership? Absolutely. Should you tell your pastors? Yeah, come to Matt and Adrian. Absolutely. But we're not the lords that are in charge of the harvest. We're just stewards of the farmhouse. We're not lords who are in charge of your harvest. We will stand with you. We will give you counsel. We will pray with you. We will believe with you. We will give you what we have. We will love you to the nth degree so we can't love you no more. We will give you all. But at the end of giving you our everything, we're going to continue to point you towards the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Yeah. You see, here's the deal. Jesus didn't choose that language on accident. 
Jesus didn't choose that language on accident. There is a Lord, and He is in charge of the harvest. And that should give you both pause and should give you strength. That should make you go, whoa, He's in charge, I am not. And now is that I should have strength for the harvest ahead of me, for the sowing and the reaping that is ahead of me. Because here's the deal, a lot of us, we get disenfranchised with it. We get disenfranchised with ministry because we're seeing some people down here. We're doing good work. We're out the field. We're doing good work. We keep our head down. We're speaking faith. We're speaking life. And we are just grinding away. We're doing good work. And then there's other people who are doing dumb work. And they're on social media starting debates and fights and doing all this silly crap on Facebook. You know it's true. And all we want to do is clap back. And all we want to do is run and tell Matt and Adrian what they just said. And then we, all we want to do is go to our other Christian friends and tell them what's going on. Yeah, I didn't see Jesus say, you know, when you're on the field and someone's being dumb and spreading gossip and lies out there while they're tilling up the land, go and talk more about them. Go and gossip about them. Go and tattletale on them. No, no, no. I also didn't see him say, go to the stewards of the house. I didn't see him say, yeah, go to the person who's like overseeing my vineyard. No, no, no. I saw Jesus say, don't clap back. Don't debate. Don't fight. And don't get angry. Get on your knees. Yeah. And go to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Because they may not recognize that he is in charge of the harvest. But you recognize that he's in charge of the harvest. And while we can go to people and we can talk about things. And we can squash things. And we can settle certain things. There is a Lord who is on his throne, rightly seated up there, and he is in charge of the harvest. If I preached to anybody this morning, that is fit for every single area of your life, no matter what you are doing. Jesus is saying prayer is paramount because there's one person in charge. It ain't you, and you need him to do what he made you to do. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. If I preached to anybody this morning, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. I love what Jesus he says next. <laughs> it's like prayer is essential. Go out, do your thing. And then he's like, I just imagine everyone's going. Like I'm picturing like the jokes in my head. And like everyone's going. And then Jesus is like, wait, 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 hold on, wait a second, I forgot something. Jesus like trots over there and he just grabs, you know, like whoever. And he's like, hey, whoever, um, I'm setting you out as a uh, sheep among the wolves. All right, good talk. You got it, man. Get it. And I read that scripture, and I'm just going, okay, so you're setting this out. You guys gassed up. We're excited. Full of faith. Ready to go. And then you're telling me uh, there's a harvest, and it's going to be awesome, but then you're telling me I'm kind of alone, and I need to pray for other people to join in on this? Like, I, I need to... I need to not rely on my pastors to do all the praying or the pastors to do all the evangelizing or my pastors to do all the inviting church, but I actually need to pray and I actually need to invite. I actually need to evangelize. I can't just count on my pastors to remain pure, but I need to remain pure. Like, you're telling me all these things. I'm sorry, you're throwing it out there. So you're telling me all these things, Jesus, and then you tell me, you are sending me out as sheep among the wolves. What am I supposed to do? You see, I think at first light, we look at that, and that's pretty daunting, isn't it? Because we, we have nursery rhymes, right? Like, there's, like, a children's book that's actually, like, about the big bad wolf, right? There might be. I think there is. Is that true? Yeah. We told different stories in my house growing up. 
We told different stories in my house growing up. My house was the big bad wolf, okay? Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, we had different stories, so I don't really know. But I do know that there's a nursery rhyme or a story in which there's a big bad wolf. Wolves are bad. Wolves are scary. Wolves are daunting. All of this is true. And Jesus, the good news here, is that he's letting you know. Yo, 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 yo. Like I said, workers are few. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah, Jesus never promised easy. In fact, he promised hard. But what he did promise is he would arrive behind you. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. He is saying, I am sending you out as sheep among the wolves. Why is that good news this morning? Because wolves are big. Wolves are bad. Wolves got all that teeth. Wolves don't care if you're a man, woman, infant, or child. Wolves will tear somebody up from the floor up. Like, wolves do not give a rip. He's letting you know your enemy. You can't defeat what you don't know is there. You can't fight what you are unaware of. And he is saying, you are sheep. You are my sheep, and I am sending you out. Don't be alarmed when culture is against you. Don't be alarmed when the news channels are against your beliefs. Don't be alarmed when you go on Twitter and everyone hates you. Don't be alarmed. Jesus said to himself, oh, they hated me. They're for sure going to hate you. Oh, greater works will you do than even not. They're for sure going to hate you. Hell is real. The devil is real. And wolves are anybody who's still a part of this world that has not awakened to the realization that Jesus Christ is Lord above it all, and they are actively working against you. Does that mean every non-believer is your enemy? Absolutely not. I'm simply uh, hopefully opening your eyes to the fact that you are engaged in spiritual warfare when you go into your workplace or your family or whenever you're around unbelievers. There are things that will be working against you. You may not understand why at first. You may begin to notice it, but you need to get sharp to it. You are a sheep among the wolves. Now the enemy is people, demons, things that he's ruling over. Paul calls him the ruler of the air. Well, he's, yeah, they're wolves. The devil self-proclaims himself as like a roaring lion looking whom he can devour. That's pretty daunting. Why would I even want to be a Christian if I'm going to have a target on my back? Why would you want to be a sheep among the wolves? Because a sheep has a shepherd. And that shepherd has a rod. And that shepherd has a staff. And our Bible tells us that the shepherd's rod and the shepherd's staff, they guide me and they protect me and they lead me into righteous ways and righteous paths, out to paths of victory. The rod doesn't just guide you out, it guides you to a path of victory this morning. You might be out among the wolves, but you are a sheep with a shepherd. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You don't have to fear the wolves, you don't have to fear the lion. You have got the shepherd. What's a dog to a king? What's a wild dog to a holy king? Better yet, what's a dog to a God? He's either the way, the truth, and the life, or he's not. Sheep among the wolves? More like wolves among my God. Am I preaching to you this morning? What's a dog to a God? We don't have to fear the wolves. We don't have to fear darkness. We don't have to fear sickness. We don't have to fear culture. 
We don't have to fear Twitter. We don't have to fear getting canceled. We don't have to fear any of these things. You know what's great about being a Christian? Is we should all have things in our past that Jesus needed to redeem us from. That's the whole point. We have fallen short of the grace of God. Every single person has sinned. Every single person has fallen short. And every person is in desperate need of resuscitation and resurrection by Jesus Christ. So you know what? There is something somewhere you can definitely cancel anybody for. But we don't fear that because I've got a shepherd. Amen. What's a dog to a king? What's a dog to a god? I want us to go out to the world and say, bring it on, puppy dog. Do your worst. Do your worst, devil. Come at me. You are a dog. Flip that backwards. I got a God coming at you. Amen. His name is Jesus. He's got a sword. And he is coming. That's the confidence that we live with. That's the confidence Jesus is sending them out with. At first glance, we're going, whoa, that is scary. Whoa, that is for real. Jesus is letting you know you've got a target on your back. Don't worry, i got a target on theirs. Yeah. He is the shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me behind. Leads me besides streams of water, green grass, places to lie down for rest. He is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yeah. I shall not fear. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Amen. This is us, church. This is us. What Jesus says next is absolutely paramount. Are you ready for this? Yes. We're going to skip down a little bit. He says this, if you enter a town, it welcomes you. Eat whatever is set before you. And then he says this, he says, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near. Why is this important? Because you and I have a mission. Jesus sets it all up for us. You're going out. I'm coming behind you. I'll be right there. I'll be right behind you. I'm planning a visit to that city. Go in my word. Go in my strength. Go in my Holy Spirit. I have equipped you and I have called you. Also, no, it's not going to be as easy as you think it's going to be. It will be hard. You may feel alone. You may feel like it's difficult for you. You may go through a long single season. You may go through a hard season trying to remain sexually pure. You may have some things that you have to deny yourself and pick up a cross and follow after me. It may get hard out there. I understand that. You may have some teeth gnarling at you and some drool getting on you because hungry like the wolves out here. I understand that. But this is the mission. You go into your city. You go where God has called you. Well, isn't God going to come? And why doesn't he just come and heal people? Because Jesus has called you to go and prime for purpose. Yeah, but, you know, Pastor Matt, that's just, that's just not me. Like, I feel like we need to talk more about grace. Like, I feel like we talk too much about signs and wonders. And, and I think we need to talk about grace. And I think we need to talk about justice. And I think we need to talk about, like, these things. Signs, wonders, and miracles are grace and action. Just like faith is belief in action, signs, wonders, and miracles are actually justice in action. We just don't want to acknowledge it because we'd rather talk about what's hot right now. But should be hot is the word of God. Because it's the only way we're going to make it out. It's the only way we're going to achieve victory. Yeah, man, that's just not me, though. Like, I'm not a person to, like... You know, go and heal people. Well, I didn't read that. I didn't read Jesus saying, hey, all of you guys in the 72, the eight of you who are really talented at healing people, like, you guys go and heal the sick. Everybody else just, like, cheerlead them. I didn't read that. 
yeah, but man, like I've just never been prompted to lay hands and heal somebody. Like that's just never been something I felt prompted to do. All oh, right, I forgot the part where Jesus was like, oh yeah, 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 go into all the city, proclaim the kingdom of God has come, and then when prompted, if prompted, maybe you'll be prompted, perhaps you'll be prompted. It's a possibility you may have a chance to cut with a chance of prompting. You might end up feeling some snuggling, some little poke, some little pinch, some little mm, something nudge you to pray for someone to be healing. In the event that that unforeseen thing actually happens, well, then heal somebody. I didn't read that. I read, go into the city and heal people. Yeah. You know what should give you confidence in that right now? Is the fact that these aren't the boys that have spent all that time with Jesus. It says 72 other disciples. These are ingenues. These are fresh people who are saved. These are new to the kingdom of God. These are people who just enlisted. These are people who just bowed the knee, fresh off meeting Jesus. These are the people who are so full of faith that we haven't been indoctrinated with religiosity yet and religious stupidity yet and gone, ah, we haven't let our brain get in the way. These are people who just bent the knee, got back up and go, God, where do you need me? God, where will you send me? He says, you are on a mission. This is not the great... This is not the mediocre suggestion. This is the Great Commission. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? This is not a mediocre suggestion. This is not a nudge suggestion. This is a not if you feel like a suggestion. This is the Great Commission. Go and heal the sick. Go pray. Go and deliver. Go and set people free. What you have on the inside of you is what I gave you, and those people need to receive it. You're on a mission. You know what this tells me? This tells me that healing is available always. Healing is available always. What if we made that our mantra? What if that was us? This is us. Healing is available always. What if that was our mantra? What if that's what we live by? What if we woke up every single day, our, cold, our feet hit the cold ground, and we decide healing is available always today? What would our workplace look like? What would our lives look like? What would our families look like? What would everybody around us look like if they knew we had an answer to what plagues them, what aches them, what breaks them? Healing is available always. I'll tell you what that looks like. <laughs> that looks like a stark realization of, oh, well then I guess I have to be available always. Scott, we're not ready for this. Scott, we're not ready for this. We're not ready for this because this means I have to give up my time. This means I have to be um, inconvenienced for the cause of Christ. This means that I don't get to get my shopping done in an orderly time because i got a 5 o'clock meeting I need to get to. This means that I have to find a way to make myself so available to the Holy Spirit because of his gift of healing, of deliverance, of prayer, of whatever is always available, available always. And somehow I have to find it within myself. And it's called the Holy Spirit. That's the spot where you find it within yourself to make myself available always. This is us. This is who we are. It's not a prompting. It's a mission. It's not a suggestion, it's a conviction. Friends, have you ever thought about the Great Commission? Have you ever thought about that? Worship team, you can make your way back up here. Have you ever thought about the Great Commission? Have you ever looked at how the Great Commission is spelled? The Great Commission. The Great 
co-mission. The great co-mission. Oh, so Jesus sends me ahead, and then he's coming behind me. Because we're on a co-mission. Oh, i got to pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest whenever I find myself in deep waters, whenever I find myself being overwhelmed, whenever I find myself in lack or need or desire, whenever I find myself in temptation, whenever I find myself needing to be bailed out, I, I'm on a co-mission with Christ. You see, friends, some of us today, We've allowed the thought and the lie from the pit of hell that just because you're not preaching on a stage every Sunday with a microphone has meant that you are insignificant in the role that Jesus has for you in the body of Christ, in the cause of heaven. You see, some of us, we've allowed the devil to get inside our ears with some lies. Maybe some parents have told us that you're not supposed to be doing this or you'll never be this. Or maybe we found ourselves late at night just feeling insignificant. Like, man, we're just a pinky toe on the body of Christ and I don't know what my purpose is. Like, the big toe is even for balance. Like, what is the pinky toe for but stomach? Like, I don't know. It's true. <laughs> I don't know what I'm here for. If that's a lie that you've ever believed, if it's a lie you've ever heard, if that's a lie you've ever listened to, then I need you to talk back to that lie and tell it some truth. If you are on a co-mission with Christ, that means no position is insignificant. If you are on a co-mission with Christ, that means where he has you is where he wants you. That means where he's placed you is where he desires you. That means where he has put you is where people need you. You are on a co-mission with Christ. You haven't been looked over. You've been positioned in. You're on a co-mission. What? What do you mean by that? That means if you're on a co-mission with Christ, that means Jesus is already laboring where he has placed you. Are you co-laboring where he's placed you? Because he's at work in your workplace. He's at work in your family. He's at work with you while you're in divorce court. He's at work in that room. But are you co-laboring? Because we're on co-mission together. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Yeah, that's good. Maybe you're in this place today and you're feeling like God has called you into another area in the body. I celebrate that because guess what? Promotion is a real thing. So don't let what I just said negate the tug and the call of God in your life to go to that next level, to move laterally in the body, to start doing something else in the ministry of Christ in Grand Rapids because if he's calling you what you need to do, well, pray to the God who's in charge of the harvest. But then you need to go to the stewards of the house and the leaders of the house. And you go to some friends who trust in Jesus. And you need to get confirmation. And you need people around you to gas you up and pray for you and believe with you and speak life and faith over you. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Some of us, we will move into that next season too soon or too late because we didn't bring others in to confirm what the Holy Spirit was saying. I got the Holy Spirit. You got the Holy Spirit. Let's find out what he's saying together. Amen. He's got more for you than you've ever dreamed or imagined. And we don't have time. The city doesn't have time. Our world doesn't have time. Matt, it sounds like a preacher with some urgency and some fervor. I am. One, no one knows the day or the hour of which Jesus will come back. So we need to live with urgency. But also right now, I'm telling you, look outside. We are in a scared, unbelieving, and dying world, and they need resuscitation. They need the light. They need some love, and they need Jesus to come through and heal them. They need a church that's getting ready to say, the kingdom of God has come to this block. You're not insignificant. 
you're an insurgent. You're not insignificant. You are an insurgent. You are an insurrection. You are an upheaval. You are an arrival of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is not hype preaching. This is a church that is dedicated to being the voice of God crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. John the Baptist said, he goes, Jesus, I shouldn't be baptizing you. Jesus, I hear exactly what you should be baptizing me. And guess what that confirmed? John wasn't insignificant. You see, if we look at verse 4, as we get ready to close, the church can stand and see. As we look at verse 4, we see Jesus, he says, as you go out, take nothing with you. No money bags, no sleeping bags. We live in a world and a culture right now where it's all about getting the bag, and Jesus says, no, deny the bag. Leave the bag. You don't need the bag. Because I'm going to provide, and I'm going to take care of you. You see, a lot of Christians out here, we're praying, God, provide for me, heal me, take care of me. Nurse me, mend me, fix me. We're praying all these prayers. Yet what the prayers we should be praying is, Lord, send me. Because it's in the sending that we see his provision in what Jesus just said. No, no, no. All these things you're praying for, me, 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 leave it. As I sent you, I will provide for you. Just a thought. Maybe we should change the way we pray. He has to keep a love for me. You see... part of chapter or verse 4 that I want to hit right quick is truly Jesus says and I love this okay I love this he goes while you're on the way as you go as I send you don't stop for anybody you don't have time for that don't stop for anybody wow that sounds like Jesus is being really harsh man like what if there was somebody broken down? What if there's somebody in need? What if like they needed somebody? That's not what Jesus is speaking to. Obviously, scripture interprets scripture. We see tons of times. If there's somebody in need, that we need to be a good Samaritan and help out. We get that. We've seen it. That's not what Jesus is speaking to. Jesus is speaking to distraction from the mission. You see, so many of us, there's so much going on in the world right now. There is so much dissension. There's so much deconstruction. And there is so much distraction on the road to where God has called us to be. On the road to where our church is called to be. Our marriage is called to be. Our single season is called to be. Maybe you're single for life. Your singleness is called to be. Every area in your life, whatever it is, your finances, your future, your call, all of it can be made on this list. There is so much on the way to what God has for you that will distract you. That will call you to want to deconstruct your faith. To enter dissension. You see, dissension is sexy. Dissension is vogue. Dissension will get a million likes on Instagram. Deconstruction will get a million likes on Instagram. Destruction will get a million likes on Instagram. You know who doesn't get a million likes on Instagram? A person who's kept with a mission. This is mission over dissension. Because church, I will fail you. I'll not answer a call. You'll think I didn't talk to you because I didn't like you. 
I'm probably gonna talk to you. That's impossible for me. But there's gonna be things that unknowingly that I will do on accident that will hurt you. I'm not a perfect person. I'm just a steward of a farmhouse. So this isn't me preaching this to you. This is the Lord telling you, don't let it hurt. Don't let feeling like you're left out or passed over or looked by, don't let those feelings lie to you. Stay on mission. Don't let dissension enter your heart. Stay on mission. When you're on the way to where I called you to go, you are on a co-mission for Christ. And guess what? Jesus is co-laboring with you. And Jesus isn't stopping to debate Fox News. Jesus isn't stopping to debate CNN. Jesus isn't stopping to debate whatever other dumb topic human beings want to talk about. Jesus isn't stopping on his mission. And he's calling us not to stop on ours. Friends, you're on a mission somewhere. Don't stop at Route 66 to get your kicks. You wanna know why? I've actually gone down Route 66, and it sucks. It's a long, arduous drive, big things of yards, some caves that are boring, and a bunch of adult stores, okay? It sucks. Don't get your kicks on Route 66. Go where God has called you to go. Go and heal. Go and deliver. And go and be the kingdom of God in the place in the land of which he has called you to occupy. And I preach to anybody this morning. Hey. We're going to enter one more moment of worship. And this, this, this is the mission right now. This is the mission right now. As we sing this next song. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit here. As we sing this next song, don't get distracted. Whatever it is, this is an ordered moment from heaven, it can wait. Man makes his plans, but God orders his steps, amen. In this moment, whatever your mission field is, Wherever God has called you to, whatever he's spoken in your heart, this is us. And right now, he is ready to light the fuse on you once again. He is ready to throw more, more uh, kindling on that coal again. He is ready for revival to begin in your heart. This is what this moment's about. So know what? Don't look to your left and don't look to your right. In this moment, as we sing this next song, you approach. You approach the God, the Lord above, who is in charge of the harvest. Whatever worry, whatever situation, whatever faithfulness you have, whatever it is on the inside of you, bring it to God and you approach and you worship the only one who is the Lord in charge of the harvest. Amen. Let's worship. Come on, church. Worship team, begin to sing. 